I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And guys, sometimes we say we're joined by a special guest, but this time we legitimately are joined by a very special guest. An actual person came to our building to record this podcast with us, and it's not just any ordinary person. It's it's one of our favorite people, to be honest with you. It's uh, uh, I think everyone knows how much we both love Veep. Uh, it's one of the best shows on television. It's Emmy-nominated. It's an Emmy winner. And joining us today is none other than Emmy nominee himself, Mr. David Mandel. Thank you, sir. Hooray! Hi there. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm touched. I'm honored. <laughs> <laughs> and also to keep with tradition, it's David H. Mandel, right? Yes, at, at David, David H. Mandel on yeah. the Twitters, as you said. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, welcome. On the tweet box. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you have a pretty active Twitter follow uh, presence, uh, from my memory. Yeah, it's kind of funny. I was never, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't purposely avoiding it. I, I, I collect a lot of stuff in my like private life, like toys and original comic art, and I was using social media for that. That was basically my exclusive use of it. Um, but when I uh, when I kind of stepped into the show, they had said to me at HBO, like, "Oh, are you are you active? Are you here?" And I was like, "Well, I, I know what it is, but I'm not you know going crazy." And they were like, "Well, we'll get you verified, and we'll do all this stuff." And I just kind of started posting, you know, just a lot of really just behind the scene pictures as we were making the season because I thought it would be fun and I guess I was trying to think like if I were if I were out there and I liked this show like what would be interesting I guess I that was that was about it and I so I sort of started it and people seem to really dig it so I kind of just keep doing it and uh, I don't know and and then you know and I know I just I think off camera I just said to you let's not talk about Trump but here I go <laughs> um, I will, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, mean, I, I will admit that you know there are some nights where I just sit searching for interesting articles about him, uh, you know, and about the terrible job he's doing, and then retweet and repost and whatnot. Because while the show prides itself on being very nonpartisan and neither party, and we have Republican advisors and we have Democratic advisors and all that kind of stuff, uh, I, I I can't take the guy. So yeah. <laughs> well, it, it is one of those things. I mean, it. it it fits with for you guys to be as invested as you are in these in this topic and to you know dig in and satirize it as excruciatingly well as you guys do i mean you'd have to be knowledgeable of it you kind of have to keep i that. think i am at this point based on the people i meet with and the reading that myself and I, i'll say my other writers do mm-hmm. we're constantly and it sounds i don't know we're not trying to brag or anything but you know just constantly reading interesting books on politics and you know campaigns and all this kind of stuff and I would argue any one of my writers is better prepared to be president of the United States <laughs> than, than him right now. Yeah. I, I'd support and that. And a couple well. of them would be really good. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's cool about, I mean, you, you, I, mean, I don't want, I, you said the word book, and I'm like, yeah. book. I know. Such a, but I feel like that's such a, that's really interesting to me just because. It's better when I listen, when sometimes I call it, sometimes we listen to them as books on tape, which <laughs> then people really laugh at me, but go on. <laughs> well, no, but I think, I, I think what's nice about, about the fact that you guys aren't just like reading like the latest article on the New York Times or anything, you're actually reading like substantive tomes on this stuff is that I think it, you know, it, it speaks to one of the strengths of the show, which is that it has such a broad political knowledge and a broad political history to it. We've gotten great ideas. I mean, it sounds silly, but we've gotten really great and interesting ideas, or sometimes just even inspiration, if not a specific idea, from 
you know, just reading about FDR or Truman or just, you know, earlier presidents, you know, and just earlier times. Um, and the other thing, too, that happens if you think about it is, especially with the day-to-day -day stuff, we're not SNL. Like, we're writing our season right now. We'll start shooting it in October. You know, by the time it airs, if I made a specific joke or if we wrote a story about whatever, there was the big rally in, uh, in Arizona last night, mm -hmm. it's going to be an incredibly dated Reference. It's going to be a stale reference. By then, Lord knows what the other shows will have done about. I mean, we, we would be we would be at best the thirtieth people to make whatever that joke is or was by taking sort of sometimes a broader historical perspective, um, or just even trying to like not necessarily do the specific line he said in the rally, but to sort of step back and go, what is this rally really about, or something like that. I, I think the Veep ends up being a little more. And I, I don't, again, I'm not trying to make us sound magical, but I do think we end up being a little more timeless in a good way. That when you're watching the show, even though you know years have passed, as you know the show is in its seventh season, you can't. I mean, it's it's now, but it doesn't cry out nine years ago, seven years ago, one year ago. Do you know what I mean? It's very, especially in those drab, like, Washington, D.C. office buildings, it's very timeless in a good way, I think. No, and absolutely. Even preparing for season six, I remember when you were out on the circuit at South by Southwest and doing other interviews, yep. we talked a little bit about, I, there was a line you said where it was like, don't look to Trump, don't expect Trump. This is, you know, Selena post-presidency. We studied all these careers. Look to Obama. Look at what he's doing right now. That's going to be the thing that yeah. matters. And you guys and did research dating back beyond that to yeah, other and we, you know, We were reading huge amounts of stuff about post-presidency stuff. Obviously, there was a lot of not so much Hillary Clinton, which obviously everyone always wants to make that yeah. sort of jump because she's a woman, but in some ways... Bill Clinton, there was a lot of Clinton foundation behind sort of a little, you know, the, the Selena Meyer fund and whatnot. And by the way, we went, the, we went to the extremes too. I, I mentioned this somewhere once, which was, I read this fascinating little book about Harry Truman and his post-presidency, where he and the wife hopped in a car and drove from like Kansas to DC unescorted. Now, obviously, we didn't do that as a, a concept, although right. I, do, I do think there's a great movie to be had there. <laughs> but um, just the the change in the post-presidency, and of course, you know, from back then when there was nothing, there was no pension, there was no money, there was no staff. He used to pay for his postage out of his own pocket. But it was a really interesting just perspective on things to then get to Selena being obviously somewhat wealthy unto herself, although obviously Catherine has her money. Um, but the idea that she's in these very fancy offices and crying poverty, it was sort of a very interesting thing. So again, the Truman book didn't necessarily lead specifically to a story or a joke, but it definitely conceptualized a lot of things. And this year, um, you know, our season ended with her going, I'm going to run again and being in Iowa. And we've been hitting the Iowa thing really hard. Just a lot of interesting people that have worked on both sides, but Republican and Democrat campaigns, presidential campaigns, but specifically the Iowa of it all. And, you know, and then that's where our reading goes also. So it's just been really interesting. Well, Iowa is so interesting too. I'm, I'm blanking on if you guys have dug in, in Doug's hardcore into this, but the caucus system is like the caucus system is wild, <laughs> wild. Yeah, especially when you get into and uh, you know this is where everyone starts just turning off the podcast. <laughs> when you start getting into the guys who, 
in each caucus, I believe you have to get 15% viability. So whatever the percentage is, that can not be a lot of people in a small area. But if a candidate isn't hitting a certain number, then those guys are technically up for grabs. So there's a lot of both some candidates being very good about going, I'm your number one choice, but if if I don't make viability, I want you to go there, and whether they're going to listen to their candidate about who they're going to go to, or whether other people can just sort of poach them. And again, it gets, it's just a very interesting thing, and it's very, in some ways, it's very like raw democracy, because you just can't imagine the idea of people just gathering in a building, but that's exactly what they are doing, which yeah. is just wild. Yeah. yeah, the people are very proud of it, too. Oh, like, yeah. I mean, I went to the University of Iowa. Oh, you did? I was, was yeah, going to ask. Okay. I grew up in Illinois, so I wasn't that familiar with it, but they were always that neighbor over right. there. And then when I was writing for the paper, we'd always have to kind of explain it because a lot of, you know, outsiders who come into the university, they don't understand what's going on. They don't know what it is. But talking to the people who are there and going to the caucuses and, like, camp like covering that campaign is such an intense experience. What, I, what I've really learned more than anything just as I've dug into this Iowa thing, is just how serious, uh, do they say Iowans? Uh, that yeah. I haven't learned. Yes. That yeah. Iowans take their role. And when you do look at the giant electoral map, you know, and other states can complain, but it is definitely a place where the, the average Iowan gets to know these candidates and gets to put them through the ringer a little bit and really gets to question them about issues. And what a lot of the guys who've come in from both sides have said is that whatever happens in Iowa, most candidates who go through it end up as better candidates. And when you read, like I was just reading uh, uh, David Plouffe's book about the Obama run, you know, you can read about how through the many debates there, you know, Obama got better at debates and got better on the stump and mm. sharpened their message so that by the time they left Iowa, Iowa became the model for a lot of things that they did afterwards. But Iowa was, you know, the crucible that allowed them to kind of, you know, find the magic formula. So it's been, it's just been really interesting. And again, that's not specifically, okay, there's your comedy show, but these will be the, the, the backbone of it, the, 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 the sort yeah. of the background stuff, which will be kind of great, yeah. And you just made a lot of Iowan listeners very happy. Oh. If we've got any of those subscribers, there it is. There so. you go, yep. <laughs> um, well, I mean, in terms of that, like when, when you're, are you thinking, I don't want to make you go like lay out your season plan or anything. No, no. But sure. uh, but it we sounds are, like if you could sounds, just act it out yeah. for us now. Yeah. Just, just just do all the voices. Act one. <laughs> exactly. But it does sound like it, you're the way you're talking about Iowa makes me think. Is it more than one episode? Probably. I mean, we're really in my mind, and I don't think I'm giving anything too away. Which is, and again, we're just starting to kind of get the episodes up on the board. But there's that really interesting period, and I'll say two things. Which is one. The Iowa caucus, you know, is usually at the beginning of the year, you know, usually February, although it's been as early as I think like January 3rd when the, some mm -hmm. of the states were jostling to be first. Um, but, you know, basically it's almost a full year before that candidates who are thinking about running for president begin to just go, oh, I was flying from New York to Florida, but I thought I would stop <laughs> in in Iowa on the way. Um, and I actually, in, we're sort of kind of coming into it in that period a little bit, mm -hmm. like the sort of the early days, which I think is really interesting. And the other thing that we're kind of playing with, and you saw it a little bit, um, Mitt Romney kind of comes to mind, was, um, you know, there were some questions to him from some of the big, like, uh, Republican fundraisers, like, might you run again? And this is, uh, this is four, you know, two years ago, I guess, mm -hmm. right now. Um, 
And uh, and there was a moment where he was kind of like, yeah, maybe I would. And people started kind of going like, great. And then some other people went, maybe not. And then he had to really decide, does he really want to do it? And I think there's something very interesting when one of these guys who was sort of, you know, the, in, this, in Mitt Romney's case, was the nominee, kind of is going, I want to do it again. And some people are not so sure. And I think there's some pieces of that that you can kind of apply to Selena because all we said is Selena wants to run for she said she's running and wants to be president that doesn't mean someone's going to go here you go here are the the keys to the White House so we're definitely playing in that area well that was one of my favorite things about season six I really felt like it opened up the possibilities for everything to happen after it I mean it, it literally is something that's set up uh, a future where we don't know what's going to happen next, and it's not—it's not to say that we we can't see another campaign. It's not to say that we will see another campaign. And and I I just loved kind of how well the season worked oh, in that regard, that. which was which was something that seemed like a big challenge going in. Yeah, you know, it's funny, and I, you know, there were definitely two ways of doing it, and sometimes I think about both a little bit. The the, the God's honest truth is. You know, there's some version where we might have just continued just to do, like where she never runs again. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that was obviously the, we tried to really set that up and not, not that we're trying to trick the audience, but we really did try and take it off the table. Like she cannot run again. Ben tells her she can't run again, which in our little world of the show, that's a real voice. That's where the audience kind of goes, oh, if Ben is saying it, that's the, that's the yeah. voice of authority. And we really did try and take it off the table. And there's probably some version where we just, you know, you, I guess you conceivably could do multiple years of her just as former president. They lead long lives and they are formers. Um, and I guess in my mind, I felt like, well, there's something new to be had, which is the idea of trying to have a second act. And maybe we could have done two or three years of former president. And you can sometimes almost pretend a little bit like you can pretend that that season was as sort of as much as you want it to yeah. be. But at the same time, I think on uh, Veep before I got there and since I've got there is we are always a little bit looking for the next thing. And so, yeah, we could have done three more seasons of her not being president, but it did seem like you do start to repeat yourself a little bit. So in some ways, we were sort of looking for that next interesting challenge. And I did get very obsessed with the idea of what if Selena actually found happiness <laughs> and just didn't care because mm -hmm. she could be president again. And I thought that sort of spoke to her character. And so those were sort of the big things we were laying out, which was a little hard only because unlike in previous seasons, like for the previous year, where right at the beginning of the season you're kind of going, we're trying to break this tie, or you know, I, I, you know what I mean. We're trying to we're trying to solve this tie thing, and obviously, even though it goes a million different directions, that's sort of you're you're telling the audience like this season is about the tie, and this season was an interesting challenge, and I was so happy that obviously the, the, everyone stuck with us because at the very beginning of the season, you're kind of not you're not really going. This season is about we're trying to do this. Yes, we had things like we're trying to build a library, and we tried to give weight to those things but in some ways we were kind of going now she's nothing and this is the rest of her life stay with us and yeah. so it was an interesting you know writing challenge but also maybe a little bit of a challenge to the viewer to kind of go okay i'm i 
at the end of the day, you have to remind yourself, in a good way, I hope, that you're invested in the character of Selena Meyer, not necessarily a show about the vice president's office, which when you think about it, it actually hasn't been in a lot of years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, and I feel like that really came through with, with Julie Louis-Dreyfus' performance this yeah. year. It's one of those things where, like we talked about at, at the finale, when she's coming down that escalator and mm -hmm. the tear comes down It's my favorite eye, thing in the world. Incredible. Yeah. And I know, and it's... Uh, you know, it's the farthest thing in some ways from comedy, but it is that, you know, tragedy. You can't have yeah. comedy without the tragedy. And, uh, and you know, having her, you know, what can you say? It's just like it lets you sort of strive for these things, you know what I mean, it, because she can do it. So it's like let's let her do it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm curious when when you start talking with your advisors, so yeah. the, your political advisors, about like um, you know life post presidency and the idea of her running again. What was their reaction? Because I feel like I feel like just in modern day politics, we've seen very few examples of people sure. going forward a second time. Um, you know, it's funny enough. You know, you know, I, I was just laughing to myself. Um, you know, I can't swear to you like right from the get go. I told them what we were really up to. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Not that they would. Not that they're leaking or anything like yeah. that, but just sort of, you know, we play a little bit of everything kind of close to the vest, dare I say. Um, when we finally got around to it, for a lot of them, it was sort of as much a surprise, I think, as it was for the audience. Mm. Um, and, you know, it's sort of a little bit like everything else we do, which is, on the one hand, you want them to laugh. You want them to go, oh, my God, that's cool. I didn't see it coming. And then, you know, I guess with everything we do, it's just plausible enough. It could happen. And you're right. We haven't necessarily seen it per se. But again, with Romney, he flirted. He mm -hmm. didn't actually set up a shop, but he flirted. And by now, by the way, probably, uh, you know, regrets not running. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, and there was a lot of talk even during, uh, during you know, the whole Republican run-up to, to Trump. There was a lot of talk at some point or another about... Uh, different people running as favored sons in different states to just try and derail the machine or something like that and, you know, maybe lead to a brokered convention. Um, I, I, my only point being is, you know, Romney could have been one of those guys. I think yeah. at one point he was talking about maybe running in Utah just to have some delegates. So, again, everything is plausible. Um, you're right, though, there haven't been a lot of examples. Although then again, by the way, with Hillary, and this is not necessarily a way people think of her, but obviously she wasn't president of the United States, but in her own way as, yes, first lady, but in some ways Clinton, you know, her own mm -hmm. husband's sort of chief advisor and secretary of state, in some ways her multiple runs have almost been a little bit like sort of a, not an, exactly an ex-president running, but it, there are certainly some mirror images to at least the concept of it, at least. Yeah. And she won in Iowa in uh, 2008, right? Like In 2008, that's against Obama, no. She oh, lost. Okay. Yes, she lost. He, uh, she eked out New Hampshire, yeah, right. that was um, New Hampshire, which was a minor setback for the Obama folks. But the Obama teams, there, it was for them it was Iowa or nothing. And they really, they kind of really st stuck it to her there. Um, and then Bernie ran a very, unfortunately, I mean, for her, similar playbook. I mean, whatever. I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm just simply saying. No, yeah, yeah. Fell victim to a very similar experience. Oddly enough. Yeah. 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 Um, it's fun. I, one of the things I really enjoy about the show, just as a concept, uh, is I, I, I believe it's still the case. There's a rule about not actually including any real politicians. Yeah. If you really analyze, like I said, we don't really have parties. We don't have politicians. I think we've mentioned 
presidents through Reagan. I'm not sure we've ever said yeah. Bush's name as his vice president. Mm -hmm. So you could that maybe <laughs> he was and maybe he wasn't. You know, we we reference Nixon, Carter. Carter takes it on the chin a lot. Um, uh, Mondale, Reagan, and then beyond that, um, you know, nothing really. Um, we've mentioned Jack Kennedy as president. We've never mentioned any of the brothers. One of the ideas we were talking about this year, I don't know why, and I don't know whether we'll do it or not, but we were sort of wondering, like, could there be just a Kennedy you've never you've not quite heard of? You know what I mean? Like Chick. so that we would we would be using the family name, but not necessarily Patrick or one of the guys that's right. actually active. Like in our in our Veep world, when the the time streams split, like you got some different Kennedy cousins or something like that. But basically, we always kind of joke that like we're going along in our regular world, and then Reagan was president, and then. That's when then after him was President Stevens and then President someone and then President someone and then you got to Hughes. So that's sort of the, the split. But yeah, we really do try and we avoid that. We don't do a lot of cameos, obviously. We never do like, oh my God, here's actual Wolf Blitzer or, you know, a news person or you know, here's uh, an actual, like, here's Andrew Cuomo, you know, the we don't, we don't do any of that. And then, as I said before, we really avoid party identifications, which sometimes is very difficult. We muck up the colors, we switch red and blue all the time. We, uh, if you look at our, like, sort of menu of uh, issues, it's a hodgepodge of, you know, anti-abortion, pro-gun, you know, like, you know, no, it's no party, it's every party. So we sort of do pride ourselves on that. And we always have this sort of fun reaction, which uh, Julia's talked about, which is, you know, Democrats and Republicans are always going up to her, sort of saying that the reason they love the show is because they're making so much fun of the other party. <laughs> right. And so we do try, we, we love that. So we do, that's a real pride for us. Well, I'm interested kind of on the flip side of that uh, in the writer's room. Like I've talked to a few of the actors before and, you know, they've talked about some of the insults that are crafted around their character. And a lot <laughs> of them are very specific to how they look or yeah. what they act like. It's really it's vicious and dieting. sad. Yeah. What's that like in the writer's room? Like, do you guys just kind of know that, you know, this is the good of the show. This is in tone with it. No one's going to take it personally. They're We're not but... monsters. <laughs> We're almost right. monsters. Okay. We are very aware sometimes like, oh, Christ, that's mean. Like, it's really <laughs> funny, but that's mean. Um, and once in a blue moon, I think we even are aware, like, that crosses the line. Let's just not pretend that one never happened kind of a thing. Um, but, yeah, and obviously, look, you know, it's, it is part of the show. And, uh, you know, it's part of what people love about the show in yeah. some ways, too. Oh, yeah. um, uh, you know, oddly enough, and I, I, this is not... I don't know, no one's trying to be sexist and we have a tremendous number of women in our writer's room. Somehow with like poor Tim, like as a guy, somehow as a, as a guy or maybe a, a person of height, I believe as we like to refer to them now, um, you know, it's like everyone's just like, ha, 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 we're making fun of him. But every now and then, like if it's an, like an Anna thing, it's like, oh, that might be too mean. Do you know what I mean? Like even though Amy is a bit of a monster, Anna is quite lovely. And so we probably... We probably think twice with, say, like a her, whereas with Tim, there's not even a second thought. It's just, yeah. yeah. You've also gotten into the group. I mean, you've always, he's always, Jonah's always been the target. So it's yes. got to be easier to just keep pounding away at well, that, especially when there's Well, so it's easier in the sense of just to pound, but it's harder in the sense of oh, you definitely it. have to think to yourself, like, 
Have we ever referred to him as a Frankenstein? <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> what about a King Kong sort of area? Uh, we did King Kong's taint. Okay, let's move away from King Kong. What about a Godzilla kind of a thing? Twatzilla? Ooh, I like that. Can we double check we've never done? You know, it's just this weird search of like, how have we never called him the Leaning Tower of Blank? And always very nervous and checking old episodes that like insults sort of areas haven't been used before. So well, guys, that's how we spend a lot of our day. You need the Jonad files. You need yes, the actual well, we file have, on the computer. We do like in episodes when they get written and then there are alts like, you know, like people will sort of like pitch other ideas. Sometimes they don't go into the script, but they go into the base basically the Jonah insult, you know, file basically, so that on the set, if we want to try some other lines, we just have a list of, the, the, the tough ones for us are always, it's having a lot of extra Jonah insults, and then a lot of sort of like, maybe better ways of going like, for lack of a better word, like Jesus Christ, like reacting to something, or, you know, better ways of just going fuck you to some extent. You know, like trying to find sort of, to put that sort of veep spin so that sometimes, you know, whether it's in the course of improv or changes or something where we find ourselves with people reacting and going like, Jesus Christ, that we can kind of, you know, put in kind of a more interesting sort of, you know, you know, you know, holy Jimmy Carter blank or whatever <laughs> it is, you know, but we, we try and gather those because they come up repeatedly. Um, with a show that's so driven by improv, like when you are say hypoth you know, hypothetically nominated yeah. for best writing for the Emmys, like is there does that feel at all strange? No, I mean you got to remember. First of all, I come out of uh, I come out of uh, you know both Seinfeld and then Curb, and obviously Curb. Um, this is the easy way I can explain it. On Curb Enthusiasm. We have very elaborate outlines. We have a lot of lines both written into the outline, but also like in our heads sometimes, like almost mm. like on a secret script that we don't show anybody. And then the actors come in and they, they honestly do improv within sort of what's there in the outline. And then we start to shape it in between takes. And so, yes, there is a human, a bunch of improv, but we will start to sort of make sure that the things are being covered, that the order is being adjusted, we're throwing jokes in on top of the improv. And so you're, there is true improv within this framework. On our show, and I'm not trying to lessen the improv mm -hmm. influence in any way, shape, or form, but we, we, are, you know, we spend a tremendous amount of time you know, outlining the season, outlining the show, and then writing the episodes. And we take a written episode to the table, we then off the table, obviously we do normal notes, but we then try and get especially key scenes up on their feet. And that's a real opportunity and chance for the actors to play with stuff. And then, you know, whether you want to call that pure improv or just wouldn't it sound better if and those kinds of things. All of that then goes back into the script. And, the, and by the way, writers are throwing stuff out and the script is changing. Um, but we go to set with a very definitive script and our goal is to get that script we will then especially as we're going we're constantly changing lines you know from the writers that we're throwing in new things we're filling in holes and we will definitely get to times where we'll go hey one for fun and let's do one for fun um, and again sometimes that takes us on a journey and what and, and all of that kind of stuff but I guess I'll simply say, even when there's improv, and I, again, I'm not trying to lessen its impact, it's very 
writer-driven improv. Uh, it just is, because it has to be, because we're such a, there's no room for long digressions, or, mm -hmm. you know, which obviously can be the worst of improv. So it's just sort of another tool in our quiver, but in a very, I guess I'll simply say, you know, writer script driven way. Um, and I just think it's the best of all worlds. Absolutely. Well, yeah. well bringing it back kind of to the social media side of things, I think there's a really good example of this that was that came out last season when um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus and, and Tony Hale were working on the scene where she was sitting behind, she was at the uh, Stevens Presidential Library mm -hmm. and she was sitting behind the desk, you know, pretending yes. it was hers and yep. then she had to get over the like, the barrier yep. because someone was coming and she was hiding it. And they, there's this, you know, behind the scenes, you know, video of them working that out and you can see everybody kind of moving around and the cameras moving around and, and people are shouting out different ideas and they're trying to figure out how, you know, to block it basically. Right. That, that was the big point of it. And you obviously can see how and much the of their And that, especially as a physicality thing, yeah. you know, you can write a line in the script, but, you know, in their hands and obviously as we start to see things, you know, we're always looking for stuff that, you know, I guess for lack of a better word, isn't in a script. So I can remember there's a scene uh, of her on Air Force One where there was a whole scene going on but in the rehearsals what we kind of started playing with was this idea that she's like you know opening a soda and putting like a lime or something in it and just sort of like th you know puts it you know goes to throw it away and he just keeps grabbing a trash thing and you know sticking it under her but then misses and all that kind of stuff and the physicality especially you're not writing that into a script I mean you might write in sort of some concept of like uh, there was the episode where uh, he, uh, Tony and Matt both voted and had green yeah, thumbs. So there was like, a, we may have indicated in the script like he's helping her with a water but doing it one-handed or, you know, he helps, you know, he's hiding his hand as he takes her coat off. But putting that in a script and then what, you know, and, and I'll, you know, credit where credit's due, obviously. Tony, whoever's directing that episode, yeah. I'm usually sitting there too. What we're all then kind of piecing together to make that one line in a script into this, you know, hopefully physical tour de force. I mean, call it improv, call it whatever you want. It's just, you know, there's always going to be, and that's the thing on our show is we're always looking for that extra thing, that background yeah. joke. So, you know, however we get it, we get it, you know? Uh, well, the last question that I have for you before okay. we get into our, our patented best thing, next thing, is just um, obviously you guys are, are nominated for the Emmys, and we're all, I mean, there's a lot of people behind you, I should just say. Oh, uh, thank you. But Appreciate at that. this point, I'm always curious kind of from the people who are who are actually nominated. There's like a fan versus nominee kind of side of it, and everybody has a different opinion on you know what these awards are and what they mean. But I guess to you, like at this stage for, for Veep, when I think about the Emmys, I think about Selena standing there yelling legacy really, really loud. <laughs> and I think there's an aspect to that, sure, but I'm, I'm also curious what exactly it means to you. Like, what, what, are the, what do the Emmys mean to you at this stage? Um, you know, it's interesting. They've meant different things to me at different times. You know, at this point, you know, whatever, I'm an almost 47-year-old guy, and I'd, I will admit I had been to the Emmys many, many times, and I had lost with a lot of in my mind, what were really oh, good yeah. shows. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I'm not grinding an axe. I'm just no, no, no. stating a, a fact, which was, when you know, people go back, you know, and you know, Seinfeld, which people are still watching on a on an active daily basis in a way that I'm not sure anyone ever imagined. Um, we lost a lot of Emmys. You know, I think it won. I think it won show once. Maybe got a couple of writing awards. I think mm -hmm. Julia got one. I think. Uh, I think Michael got one. Jason never got one. Um, and back in those days, when things were sort of odd and different, you know, we used to pick up a lot of the Guild Awards. We would win Guild Awards. Mm -hmm. We never 
we never, you know, we just didn't win a lot of Emmys, and it was what it was. And uh, and then I've been with Curb a lot, which mm -hmm. I've always, you know, again, it, and I think there, I don't know if it was always been, I've always laughed in my, in, thought in my mind that maybe it's the improv thing that throws mm -hmm. people off with Curb. Like, we're not giving a writing award for that, we're not gonna <laughs> exactly give a, sh I don't know, I, I, you know, sure. I don't try and, you, you can't game these things, you don't worry about it. All I can yeah. state is, I've been there many times and I had lost and you know last year I will simply say you know win or lose I was just honestly I was so not because yes a little bit because of the the handover from Armando um, but I was just I was just so proud of what we had done and I will simply say getting it was just was huge because of a <laughs> the easiest way of putting it was not losing again was you know was, was sort of you know um, but also just the acknowledgement that I that people sort of liked the show as much as I liked it <laughs> which was really nice um, and 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 then once you do win the one I'll simply say from my perspective this is all gravy I mean I you know if we won one fantastic but I will simply say. I got the one I wanted, if that makes any sense. Um, which I don't want to discourage voters or anything. Right. But, uh, <laughs> no, no. But you know, I, I, so you know, again, it's it's always a lovely acknowledgement. I always love uh, a little bit, dare I say, the camaraderie of the other shows because they're they're shows I really like. So I love you know going to these things and talking to some of these guys, some of whom I've known since college, some I've only met in the last couple of years, but. I, I respect those shows a lot. Those are a lot of the shows I watch. Um, so I, I love the, I, I'm happy to go through it all, um, but uh, it is, I mean, it sounds silly, but it is truly nice to be nominated. But as I sort of said, the winning of that one for when I sat back and thought about the fact of, you know, and you hate to sort of think about these things, but I guess what we did accomplish, sort of taking over the show and then the realization of how many people probably did think we were going to fail, which thank God we right. didn't know at the time. <laughs> but when the show right. started to come out last year, right, last year? Oh, God, no, two, wait, two years, two, two yeah. years ago now. But when that, when that, yeah, I know, exactly. When that season started to come out and it was like at first people were like, oh, it's really good, but then... It was almost so effusive, you started to go, oh, they really thought we were going to just destroy the show and ruin <laughs> it, that you just kind of went, oh, I guess we did really actually, like, I thought we accomplished something, but I guess we yeah. really accomplished something. Uh, it was just it was just really nice. And uh, it's funny, uh, I think that's how a lot of my writers feel, too, which was that we got to be a part of this thing, and everything else is just gravy. Uh, you know, we love the show, and I'll dare I say, we know how good it is. And we know, you know, um, I have a lot of writers who have been around the block in a, in a good way and have definitely had the development deals and written 87 pilots that never quite went anywhere. You know, that's sort of just the, the, the sort of network comedy sort of it is what it is kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think even, especially for some of them even too, it's just like, it doesn't get any better than Veep. And so if we get an award, sure, that'll be good too, but we still get to work on Veep, yeah. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> That's the real win for all of us. Yeah, well, just thank keeps you. Going, so. <laughs> well, that's a lovely note to leave off on, but first, uh, yeah. Dave, what was the best thing you watched last week? Um, oddly enough, the best thing I watched last week was I finally caught up and binged Handmaid's Tale. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, and uh, I'm just, I'm always perpetually behind in our seasons, 
And, uh, and this, of course, is nothing that anyone will relate to, but I did, a, I did like some kind of showrunner's roundtable mm. with, oh, uh, yeah. with Bruce, is that his name? Bruce uh, Miller. Yeah, yeah Bruce who Miller. ran it. And I, you know, I read the book a million years ago. I remembered the movie. Uh, I, I love Elizabeth Moss. I was like, I got to watch that thing. And then one day you wake up and go, you know, it's August. And I finally, <laughs> I, I finally hit the button and just, I could not, I could not stop. I mean, I was literally... Like, um, I got lucky at some point. I got, I was a little, I was sick one day. I kind of caught a cold from my kids mm. oh, and I really yeah. used that day to whatever. So that, that's been just, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, I remember uh, we got we got first got screeners for it back in January. And um, I, I received screen, I like, and I received like the first three at like midnight on a Friday night. And uh, as I emailed the PR person, like, thank you so much. This is great around like midday Saturday. She's like, just so you know, if you need a little extra time, these are going to expire in like 48 hours. And I'm like, I've already watched yeah, them all. Yeah, need extra time. How about extra episodes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just keep, com- keep <laughs> yeah. them coming. Keep them coming. And then someone else said to me the other day, they were like, how do you binge that? Isn't it like depressing and whatnot? I was like, no, it's, I want to know what's happening next. Yeah. And see, I am the weird guy. Like I'm, uh, uh, for somebody who loves the leftovers more than anything in the world and people are the ones who say that's too depressing to binge, I'm struggling with The Handmaid's Tale. I've, I've seen like, I think I've seen 10 of the 12? There's 10 episodes. 10 oh, then totally, I've seen eight yeah. of the 10 because I, okay. I know I've got two left. Right. And um, it's been one of those things where I've got to let it sit. Like it's been tough. Like I'm, I'm eager to see what it. happens next, I but get I also it. just yeah. get to a point where it's like I need... I need to see sunshine, and I need to know that this isn't actually reality. So no, I mean they're they're probably sort of having the sort of the sort of similar sort of the Veep experience, but on the opposite side, where like they're writing these things in sometimes, yeah. and then just going, why is this happening in real life a little bit? Well, yeah. it's actually even part part of their whole construction is one of their rules is they will not put anything in the show that isn't happening somewhere else in the world. Oh, interesting. Uh, so like part like you know it's like. There legitimately are right. religious fundamentals. But I'm guessing they were thinking to themselves it would not be the United yeah, States of America. I, I They're think, like, oh, you know, because that's the thing. We're right. Oh, we're writing about this weird little country in Africa. No. No. Yeah. yeah. Here. Now it's here. Yeah. Yep. Terrifying. Fun times. But uh, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week was actually Insecure, which I'd seen the first four episodes of a while ago for the for the review. HBO was kind of send those out. Um, and then they just aired their fifth one, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I caught that one. And it was just kind of a nice reminder that I really, really enjoyed the show when it was out. I thought season two has, has made a lot of, of important strides and really tightened things up. Um, but the fifth episode by itself, like not even watching them in a row as, as we do a lot when we're reviewing, watching it by itself was actually very rewarding. Like it was a nice break. I watched it after I watched Game of Thrones, um, which was much, <laughs> much, more, uh, much more fun for me, much more uh, uh, insightful for me as well. But uh, yeah, I love what they're doing this season, and it's another one where I it's don't know really where it's really good go. season, and I have no idea where it's going. But I did think it was a really nice episode. Yeah, so, they yeah. did. It. They did good stuff. I really laughed. I don't know why it made me laugh, and I guess, um, I mean, there was a po- there's a point in there where her best friend, who's been traveling to Chicago, oh yeah, and the guy there who's a little pudgy is like, How, you got to bring me some like like chicken and waffles or whatever, right? And she goes, I am not going to be the black woman on an airplane with fried chicken. <laughs> And I just, I, 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 you know, what can I, 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 I like, I, I like laughed out loud at that sort of conceptual observation. I used to work with a writer at Saturday Night Live um, who just said, like, you will never see me in a world like the, 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 it was just a, it's a, it's a very well observed thing of like I 
as a black woman and you're just not going yeah. to see me like eat like that or you're not going to see me holding it ever and i just went god bless this for existing i oh, was yeah. i was really like wow yeah. that's actually that's a perfect line to yeah. highlight and her delivery of it really worked well too because they don't she didn't treat it so much she treated it just enough like a joke right where it was funny but also but not like a jokey, very direct but clearly very like yes like, exactly. no i know yes. what what connotation no there was, was so, so much you know it sounds silly to say but there was so much truth in it that yeah. I, I really was like wow yeah yeah uh but liz what about you what was the best thing you watched last week well, um, I, I, I just took a little sick time myself, uh, and I took the opportunity to catch up on The Bold Type, uh, which is this free-form drama. It's, it's, very, it's a very YA sort of targeted thing, but it's about young women working at a, uh, working at a magazine, uh, oh, wow. similar to like Teen Vogue. Okay. And, and, like how they're in, very similar in how Teen Vogue is trying to broaden its brand beyond just what you would expect, and they do political coverage and that sort of thing. And so it's got a killer performance by Melora, uh, uh, oh, shoot, Melora, Melora Harden yes. uh, from, yes, thank you, from, from The Office and of course, uh, of course many other things. Uh, but she's, she's killing it as like basically like kind of the, I think someone called her journalism Gandalf uh, <laughs> on, on Twitter. <laughs> but it's, it's, aside from the part where it exists in a fantasy world where print isn't completely crumbling, um, it's a really, it's, especially someone who works in digital publishing, uh, it's a very, it was a very fun binge oh, in neat. a lot of respects. Okay. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not, I, I, but it's, 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 it's very like, it's got a it's got a really nice approach to creating like three strong young female characters who are different and still really good friends and all support each other but still have their own ambitions and you know they're they have love lives but it's not the center of them and so right. i thought it was really interesting in all those respects this seems to be one of those kind of under the radar shows that at least critics are really picking up on because uh like when you started talking about watching it it was shortly before a few others that I saw on Twitter really start to engage and talk about it. And then like shortly after, it seems to be gaining some steam in that regard. Oh, yeah. So I think people might want to check it out. Yeah, I think um, I think for people, it's it's like a nice beach read uh, of a TV show. Like I think it's not- End of summer. And it's summer, so it's the right time. Uh, Dave, looking forward, what is the next thing you're looking forward to? What am I looking forward to? You guys get, name something you're looking forward to while I think for three seconds. Sure. Uh, well, I'm going to keep it in the HBO family because apparently that's uh, what I all I do. But I'm I'm still very much looking forward to the Deuce. I I've seen the first five episodes. Um, I cannot wait. To, they're graciously giving me the final three. Cannot wait to finish this thing up. It's gorgeous and smart and perfect and everything like David Simon. The the best of what you can hope for from David Simon, so I'm I'm very excited to finish that. Oh, that's that up. really cool. And it's coming out right after Labor Day, right? Isn't it like the yeah. the Sunday after Labor Day? Yeah. So yeah, that's that's my top pick. Uh, Liz, do you have one? Um, this is gonna be. I don't think you're gonna see this one coming from me, Ben. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, no, legitimately. Uh, so I was watching the latest trailer for uh, American Horror Story: Cult. Oh my god. I know, um, which is not. <laughs> A show I've ever really particularly been a huge fan of. Uh, I'm not much for horror, and also sometimes that show goes off the rail. That show in previous iterations has gone off the rails in pretty spectacular ways. But I'm always very interested in it. It's always got a lot of big ideas to it. And based on this latest trailer, like it's it's look. It looks like it might have something to really say about current day America beyond. Oh, like it, it it opens on election night. Um, and it seems, I don't know, it seems interesting. It, it, I certainly, I'm certainly going to actually watch it, which is 
more than I have done in previous seasons of American Horror Story because I am a big wimp. I'm a big scary cat too, and I don't uh, I don't go for it. But uh, if it ties into politics a little bit, I might have to. Yeah, it yeah. very yeah. much like it, it directly references Trump specifically and the election night and starting there. And then the the uh, there's two women who are married who are the central couple, I believe, Sarah yeah. Paulson and Allison Hill. Um, and uh, yeah, it's 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 very much connected to it. But they've been you know Ryan Murphy's been a little iffy about how hard like because there was a while where he said it was directly about the election and then he kind of distanced himself from that huh, okay. comment but anyway yeah it's, it's definitely going to be tied into some politics and i'm going to have to overcome my fear as well in that regard because not only is it heavily into like politics and current stuff and and sarah paulson is going to be awesome as well um but there's clowns and i don't like clowns so this is going to be tough for me i saw a billboard for it and it's like that crazy guy that's all painted. Oh, yeah. But then there's another billboard that I saw that I think someone graffitied on, but like graffitied along the bottom of it, but like in a crazy way. And I honestly was like, is this graffiti or is this just the ad campaign? And it freaked me out both ways. So, FX yeah. saw it and they're like, we'll just leave it up. Just leave it. It looks pretty <laughs> let good. Let yeah. Go with it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I, I, I have to say, I've never understood the clown thing. I've uh, never understood people who are afraid of clowns. They're just they're hiding behind something that is that is commonly accepted as innocent, which looks mischievous and evil to me. So I just there's something about the aesthetic that I can't do. All right, fair enough. Um, I guess for me, and uh, you know, this one, this part isn't exciting, and then I have a real maybe I have a more of a real answer. I will not lie, uh, and I don't know when this thing is going live, but you know, right now it's uh, it's Wednesday. Right. It cannot be Sunday soon enough oh, for the, the final Game of Thrones, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I just. Uh, you know, and yesterday it was like, it's going to be 79 minutes. And I don't even know what that means. But I, why I know the running length of the final Game oh. of Thrones is just madness. But a, a real more maybe serious answer is, you know, this coming season of Curb is the mm. first season that I haven't worked on oh, wow. in, uh, you know, whatever, three years. And uh, I know a little bit of the concept because I, I had a lunch and I went by when they were working on the first episode. So I know a little more than the average human being, yeah. um, but uh, I have to admit, I, I, I'm so excited to sort of see what they did and where they went. And I'm, as a comedy fan, as a friend of the, the, the you, yeah. know, you know, bo on both sides, the personal and the professional, I'm actually quite excited. Yeah, yeah you get to be the viewer, that's fun. Yeah, I yeah. get to be the viewer again. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. That's and I great. mean, like we saw the extended trailer at uh, TCA's and I think, I think you pretty much sell me as with Brian Cranston as a therapist. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like that's, that's I'm, I'm good, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. And I, I like how some of the other TV spots have been, they seem to be keeping with the old vibe of the show where it's a it's very much a build up and then Larry kind of making fun of himself and it's just per, like he's got a Batman spoof as one of the TV yeah. ads yeah. which is just it feels very classic and it just works still and I it's it brings up every feeling you want to feel when Curb is coming back so good pick very good pick very good pick um, so thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank us. you guys this for having been, me. This has been, been great. A, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, and you can be found on Twitter at David H. Mandel. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Correct. And you'll be able to read a lot more about all of the stuff we've talked about today on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. And make sure to listen to all the other IndieWire podcasts, including Turn It On with our own Michael Schneider the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast with Chris O'Fault, and, of course, the one that started it all, Screen Talk with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson. Correct. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, sadly, not without you, sir, but not with you, someday, sir. Someday. Someday, yeah. yeah. Just come by anytime. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
we, we will have we will bring all the bottled water you need <laughs> um, but it's been such a pleasure thank you and thank so thank you for being here thank you guys for listening and as always keep watching television